0: Welcome to the Sticks and Stones podcast, bringing you interviews with people from across the globe who are changing the face of sexual health for the better. This is the place to hear about new approaches and initiatives in sexual health, best practice, challenges, and to meet some of the people who are driving change from around the world. My name is Nick Malon, and I administer the STI International Exchange or Sticks. I hope you enjoy today's conversation, and please subscribe to receive future episodes. So today we'll be speaking with Harriet Langanker from the GSSG, the Foundation for Sexuality and Health in Cologne, Germany. As you'll see from the podcast, Harriet is an incredible person, dynamic, driving change in the world of sexual health and sexuality in general. And it's a real pleasure for me to speak to her today. So hello, Harriet. Lovely to speak to you again. How are Hi, you?
1: Hi Nick. Hi Nick. I'm fine. Thank you very much. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you, and very very happy to um, have you on the podcast. Um, before we start, would you like to give a quick introduction and just tell me about your background and and maybe how you got into sexual health?
1: Well, sure, sure. My name is Harriet, Harriet Langanke, when it comes to German pronunciation, but um, to an international audience, Harriet is perfectly fine. I'm a journalist by education, a journalist with a special interest in sexual health, and I'm also a sexologist. And the history that um, made me end up for now in sexual health, started a long time ago because I was born in uh, 1962. So I was very, very lucky in uh, experiencing sexuality in a world before HIV AIDS and already with contraception. And so I consider myself to be a very lucky individual in, when it comes to sexuality and sexual health issues. And the most important things that was milestone in my in my professional career was being with the National German AIDS Foundation in the early nineties until uh, the two thousands early two thousands. I was managing director of uh, the AIDS Foundation, and I learned a lot about HIV AIDS and of uh, about sexuality and uh, sexual health. So. Uh, I went all the way from AIDS to HIV, from HIV to STD. In those days we started, we still had it, uh, sexually transmitted diseases and they became uh, more appropriate STIs for infections. And as we have learned that sexual health is much more than just not being infected or impaired or anything like that, So we go with the WHO definition of health and this applies to sexual health as well. So I have come the long way and that's how I ended up in uh, sexual health issues and I set up my own own foundation which is called Charitable Foundation Sexuality and Health and its abbreviation the acronym is GSSG and it's describes pretty well what I'm doing. So
0: Harriet, no, thank you very much for that that introduction, which is fascinating. Before we come to the GSSG and your activities, what was it like being at the AIDS Foundation in the 1990s?
1: Yeah, I, I have to, to make a distinction between the time prior to when we had um, antiretroviral therapies and when in the middle of the 1990s we had those ART uh, retroviral therapies that really were a game changer when it came to HIV. Before we had those approaches, um, HIV meant really AIDS. And with AIDS, being in Cologne, living in Cologne in one of the hotspots of MSM communities, queer communities, who were struck very, very hard by this virus. It meant going to, to funerals almost every month. I found myself on the, on the cemetery very, very often in those days. And it was really um, a very, very challenging time when there was no option for, for, for therapy. The, the pharmaceutical companies were still looking for Good uh, products, and so when in the middle of the the 1990s those uh, antiretroviral medication um, came, it was really a game changer, and there there was hope in those days, and that wasn't there before. So this was really something that was in the in the midst of my affiliation with the AIDS Foundation in those days, and. Perhaps I should tell you a bit more about what the AIDS Foundation did in those days and still does. It was or it is an organization that helps individuals in, in personal distress and it helps projects to support people living with HIV. So um, when I left the foundation, I just did a rough counting on all the applications that we got in those days and within those 10 years that I was with the foundation more than 40,000 letters of application please for help and support have gone over my desk so you can imagine how how challenging the situation was how much people were suffering in those days and um, I have learned a lot in those days.
0: Yeah, but that is um, very harrowing, Harriet, and very, very interesting in terms of the background. Tell me about the GSSG, the Foundation for Sexuality and Health, Harriet, and the activities that you do.
1: When I I left the, the German National AIDS Foundation, I was not quite sure what would be the next steps in those days we have come with the AIDS Foundation to a point where there was a lot of hope because of the antiretroviral therapies and still we had not yet extinct uh, the the virus it's it's still around until today so I was wondering what would be a good next step what would be the, the the next logical consequence after we have learned so much about HIV so much about Um, a virus, a pathogen that is passed on by by sexual encounters. And in those days, um, we we started to learn that uh, many um, pathogens for, for sexually transmitted infections are bedfellows of HIV. So HIV infections come with syphilis or gonorrhea when it it comes to men having sex with men, it's primarily syphilis or or gonorrhea. When it comes to women, it's uh, HPV or chlamydia. So we learned that these infections fueled each other due to the fact that they uh, come all together with the sexuality and that led me to uh, think about how to address this with an NGO that wasn't there in those days. We do have um, NGOs in Germany that address uh, HIV. We do have NGOs that address sexual health when it comes to reproductive health, but until today. Um, There's just only the GSSG addressing sexual health in in the way we do it. And the GSSG, my foundation, is the legal body. That's how we call it, the legal body for many projects that uh, we are running. I give you one example, the network, the German nationwide network of Women and AIDS, it still carries this name, although we should um, rename and rephrase it into Women and HIV. But this network was funded in 1992 because the epidemic, the HIV epidemic in Germany is mainly an MSM um, epidemic, men having sex with men. So there was a huge lack in the beginning when it comes to women living with HIV or women living with the risk of acquiring HIV. So this network was a very grassroots network. It has never wanted to to become an association or any formal institution, but still needed a legal body for renting space for their meetings or publishing anything. So we were looking for for a legal body and GSSG was the natural idea of giving it a legal body. Or another project, for example, is the German branch of Lifeboat International, a project that addresses families living with HIV that encourages um, the whole structure of a person with his or her or their, their family members, how this is challenging the, the family structures and uh, how all the necessary help and support can be organised.
0: So thank you, Harriet. So if I've understood correctly, it's really focusing not so much on the infections themselves but on their implications and how they impact certain populations either directly or or their families beyond HIV. Does the foundation focus on any other sexually transmitted infections?
1: Yes, sure. The foundation does not focus on single pathogens on single infections, but on the, on the concept of sexual health. So we, in a sort, embody all the pathogens, all the, the bacteria and, and viruses that are around there. And we focus more on the aspects of how can you uh, live your sexuality in a, in a way that improves or that helps your sexual health. So the prevention of STI, as well as the diagnosis, as well as the therapy, are a whole package for us. We are not doing what is called the the negative pedagogical approach that we try to, to tell people your sexuality makes you sick or you should not have a certain kind of sexual life because this is not healthy. We try to provide information for for each and every one on how to to have a sexuality that contributes to sexual health. Because primarily, or um, when you don't think about STI, sexuality is a very healthy thing. Otherwise, our human kind would not be on this planet anymore. This is something that people tend to forget when it comes to sexual health and to STIs. People focus on the, on the negative impacts, and we try to, to counterpart this with, a, with the positive aspects, which is why we call ourselves sex positive.
0: I understand. Thank you, Harriet. And Yamp. Um, very much, as you say, a, a positive and holistic approach to, to sexual health. And you're located in Cologne. And and you spoke about Cologne being a cosmopolitan city, an LGBT hub as well. Um, Tell me a bit about the reasons that you located the foundation
1: in Cologne. You're right. The GSSG is located in Cologne. Um, Still, GSSG works nationwide or even internationally. We do not limit our projects or our efforts to the city of Cologne. However, Cologne has been a choice for me personally to live here. I was born and raised in another part of Germany, much more northern, much more Prussian, and I made the decision to live here and to run my foundation here in in the Cologne area. Because it is, as you, as you mentioned, Cologne um, is a 2,000-year-old city with a long history of uh, being what we call diverse today. We have a long history of migration. We have a long history of many different um, Germanic tribes settling on the banks of the River Rhine. And this has made the city some sort of melting pot and a city that is proud to host many different, uh, I don't want to say cultures, because this is, um, is a word that does not apply very well to what I mean, but the different diversities we do have is a very healthy living from my point of view. And it's very helpful to, when you work in sexual health, to do this in an environment that is queer-friendly, that is open. The Colonians, uh, the, the um, citizens of, of Cologne, call themselves tolerant, which sometimes in Germany um, has the sound of uh, a, a bit of arrogance in it. But um, it, in the Cologne dialect, that's, that's not arrogant at all. It's just that we have this saying of accepting people as they are, and uh, that no one has to, to do anything or to be anything before you address his, um, his human rights. So Cologne, if you imagine uh, the, the bridges that cross the River Rhine, they regularly are decorated with rainbow flags. When it comes to the Pride um, the demonstrations, Pride Days, Christopher Street Day parties, Cologne, is sometimes proud enough to to call itself the the queer capital of uh, Germany. And uh, so, yeah, Cologne gives a very good atmosphere for the projects and the work of GSSG. That's why I feel very happy to be here. And tell me a little bit about
0: public policy in Germany towards sexual health.
1: Yeah, that's that's difficult. If there would be a public policy on sexual health, it would be easier to talk about it. But in some way, we still lack this. We do have a program. It has been released by the Federal Ministry of Health, and it's called BIS, B I S. Uh, 2030. That publication describes the plan until 2030, how Germany is going to be a country that's more aware on sexual health issues, that's more addressing by by special particular projects of um, sexual health issues. But the program is still focusing on STI to some degree which is due to the very successful history when it comes to dealing with HIV. You may be aware that Germany has a quite successful record on HIV infections. We are located in the middle of Europe. We have had, um, um, prior to to COVID at least, uh, open borders. We have a liberal legal framework for queer People And that should have ended up in higher numbers of HIV uh, cases, HIV numbers, HIV infections. But it hasn't because our approaches were very good. And what the government is trying or parts of the government are trying is to, to transfer this knowledge, the, the lessons that we have learned on HIV into STI and sexual health. But um, when it comes to the point of view of an NGO, this is not yet happening very well. If you go out on the street, even in Cologne, and if you ask a passenger, a pedestrian or somewhere, what is sexual health, people would not know that there's a concept behind it. They would not know what it really means. So um, other than uh, HIV, where... Germans learned a lot and know very well how to protect themselves and what the implications are or might be, there is yet not a very established program on on sexual health, which is something that we as an NGO with the GSSG and with our other um, sister NGOs and activists are demanding.
0: I understand Harriet, and does that go back to sex education in schools? or is it more about communicating with the general population or focusing on specific communities?
1: I think it's both, actually. Uh, Sex education in Germany is an established instrument. We do have curricula that tell uh, all the states, you know, we have 16 states and uh, school education is organized by, by each of the 16 states themselves. So all of those uh, states do have their sex education at school. But to be honest, most sex education is limited to reproductive issues, how to avoid unwanted pregnancies, and sometimes uh, it's also limited to HIV prevention. So um, when it comes to sex education at school, it often depends on how much NGOs are involved in it. If you rely only on the sex education that is provided by the states, it's often just prevention and it's often very loaded with negative consequences of sexuality like unwanted pregnancy, like STI, uh, sexually transmitted infections. So what we as an NGO support is the already mentioned sex positivity, the sex positive approaches when it comes to to sexual health. And we would not go so close into sexual health as an issue only to, to prevent, for example, sexual harassment or STIs. So this is still something that needs to be done. Although we are we are glad that sex education is established in most schools, and the question whether it is uh, something that addresses the general public or, as you said, population at risk, I think it's both. We we need both. We need public campaigns as we have learned uh, by addressing hiv we need this background of good communication by mass communication that is organized by the big players i would say it's not only gos it's the, the player it's it's the the choir the chorus of ngos and gos together and this is something that is lacking when it comes to sexual health we are still working on it that it that it's going to happen we do have the federal center for health education here in germany and um, in times when there is no covid or corona they are supporting this to a certain degree on the other hand i i wouldn't speak so much of Persons or people at risk. I would say it's more about what what people do and how how people uh, live their sexuality than to which group they belong. And in order to support people in their normal life, it's um, it's important to provide structures that provide information and access access not only to information but access also to condoms or um, HIV prep medication or uh, vaginal condoms or um, gels or uh, testing devices if um, we, we have learned when it comes to reproductive health that the self-testing of pregnancy, have become an instrument that is very well dealt with by those who want to to know whether they are pregnant or not. And this is happening to a certain degree uh, now with the STI tests as well. And we still learn a lot about how people can be encouraged by structures to take care of their own sexual health but it needs the state and it needs the um, society to f- to form a climate where this is possible for example when you when you go to other countries where there is not this this liberal mood but where there's more stronger regulations or even repression then this doesn't work very well you cannot uh, run around carrying condoms with you in certain areas of um, Poland or or Hungary, because they would blame you to be uh, promiscuous and and that they con connotate from being pro- promiscuous uh, negatively, or as a sex worker, which is uh, still illegal in some uh, settings. And we would need, of course, a legal and uh, empowering structure to support sexual health issues.
0: And Harriet tell me you've mentioned the 16 different states is it like the u.s. where sexual health policy varies between states i'm thinking in in the u.s. you have the states such as california that are very liberal forward-thinking and then you have states in the south of the u.s. that tend to be much more restrictive is it a similar situation in germany
1: to a certain degree, I, I would say, yes, it, it can be compared. It's not as um, distinct as in the U.S. It's not as bad as in the U.S. these days. Um, but you can also find differences among the, the 16 German states. For example, we are talking about a north-south uh, disbalance for the North is um, has a more Protestant background than the South, where, which is more Catholic until today. And uh, those who are familiar with the German history would know that this goes back into the 17th century <laughs> and is still around here. In the North, uh, where there is more more Protestant background, there is supposed to be a more liberal climate than in the Catholic uh, in those catholic areas and of course you have, we still have the differences between the east and the west the, the new states they are still called new states in the east have a different history because they we used to be the German Democratic Republic and had a completely different approach for sexual and reproductive health issues and people who grew up there Um, are not so much uh, depending on whether this is uh, a confessional um, Protestant or Catholic background. So these issues um, make make differences between the 16 German states. However, I want to, to point out that Cologne, which I have described as a very liberal place, also is a very Catholic place, but it spells Catholic differently than some Bavarian Catholics do or some Polish Catholics do. So um, there, there is more in confessions than uh, just uh, Catholics being repressive or, or dem, uh, socialist states are being more liberal. We, we have, it's just a tendency that you can distinguish.
0: And and Harry, you've mentioned Eastern Europe on a couple of occasions. Does your foundation do any activity in Poland or Hungary or anywhere across Eastern Europe?
1: To a certain degree. Uh, With the GSSG, we are part of uh, several networks, international networks, networks that um, collaborate with the networks in other countries and even in Eastern European regions or Central Asia regions, uh, the so-called ECAR regions. We do have partnerships. As I said before, GSSG is the legal body for, for many projects. One project is the WE CARE project, and WE CARE is an acronym for women in Europe and Central Asia regions living with HIV. So we do have networks that... Uh, reach out very, very far to the east, for example, to uh, Kyrgyzstan, where we do have um, an organization called Grace that we collaborate with and that uh, is an organization that uh, works uh, with and for uh, lesbian women. And we do have collaborations with uh, networks that are pan-European, like the EATG, Uh, that's the European AIDS Treatment Group, which covers the complete WHO region, and uh, WHO defines the region of uh, Europe uh, as far as as Bishkek, as Kyrgyzstan, which is almost China. So, yes, we we do collaborate, but we are a small foundation with limited resources. So what we can do is meet up with his colleagues on international conferences, run twinning programs, helping each other with the support. And this is not something that goes from west to east or from north to south, but this is a mutual helping each other helping to understand how, for example, women's rights work in other countries also empowers us. And sometimes when you live in a very wealthy country like Germany, like I do, and I have this, um, this idea of doing something and people um, who are in charge, like in the government, do not support this idea, then they are more likely to support me if I come with an expert from abroad. So the, the profit sometimes doesn't count in his own country very much. Therefore, international partnerships are very, very much appreciated and part of our work here. And
0: Harriet, if we were to have this conversation in three years' time, what changes would you have liked to have seen in that time in, in Germany? as regards sexual health, what are your goals for the coming year?
1: One one of my primary goals of the coming years is that we really find an end to discuss the restrictions that come with sex work. Sex work in Germany is regulated by law and is legal, but there is still a discussion going on that it should be illegal, that at least the clients should be criminalised, and um, with, with sexuality, we have learned that this does not work very well, not very healthy when it comes to repression. So therefore, I would like to have a, um, a, sit- a situation or a society in which um, sex workers are not stigmatized anymore. And stigma is something that I would like to see as history or past history in a few years, on so many uh, in so many aspects i don't want to see people living with hiv being stigmatized because they are living with hiv i don't want to see people living with a detectable viral load living with hiv but not being undetectable and as i s- see it today some people are stigmatized because they still have um, detectable viral load i don't want this for the future I don't want to see um, queer folks being stigmatized for uh, being queer. I want to see this stigma gone because I think it's one of the, the biggest hurdles and the biggest obstacles that we have when it comes to, to sexual health issues. And um, because I don't want to be so, so negative uh, talking about stigma, I would rephrase this in a a more positive vocabulary and I would demand that we all have and show much more respect for each other, for our sexual identity and uh, for our sexual orientation and for how we live our sexual lives. I want to see stigma as something of the past and I want to see in a few years respect for sexual diversity in all aspects. Thank you, Harriet. And final question.
0: If somebody was starting out in the world of sexual health today, what piece of advice would you give them?
1: That's an interesting question because I'm... I do have students uh, coming as interns to GSSG and I'm working with them on conferences and I'm I'm very happy to see young people starting off in sexual health in the field of sexual health and I'm trying to to encourage them and the the best or the, the perhaps the most important thing is that Sexuality is part of humanity and that we still know too little about human sexuality. So if someone just starts off to to work in the field of sexual health, I would encourage them to work on sexuality first and on sexual health secondly, because those two go together. And you can, from my point of view, it's very hard to promote sexual health when you do not know enough about human sexuality.
0: Thank you so much, Harriet. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and understanding more, not only about the GSSG, but also about sexual health and policy in Germany. It's been a real, real pleasure. And thank you so much for your time.
1: It's been a pleasure to um, share my, my, my ideas with you. Thank you very much for your interest.
0: Thank you very much for listening to the Sticks and Stones podcast today. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Harriet today, which I'm sure you'll agree was inspirational. Speaking of inspirational, our next episode will be with Adrian Kelly, who is the lead commissioner of the Sexual Health London programme, which is the world's largest publicly funded remote SDI programme with over 1 million kits distributed. We spoke about the Sexual Health London programme in episode two in our interview with Tim Alston. So this is a continuation and will allow us to go deeper into the workings of the Sexual Health London programme. So please tune in for that episode. And if you haven't already, please do subscribe. And if you do have a moment to rate and review us, it really does help other people to find this content. And remember, you can also follow us on Twitter under Sticks STI. That's Sticks STIX STI. Goodbye and thanks for listening. Sticks and Stones is produced by Birdline Media.